Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. I'm opening. We have an eye, sort of a nostril, two teeth. One of the teeth has a small cavity. Close call, folks, but I think we got here just in time. Presented by Maria Menounos and Kevin Undergaro. This is Anatomy of a Movie. In-depth discussions and breakdowns of various movie titles. And now that you've seen the movie, let the dissection begin. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Anatomy of a Movie. Today we're discussing Allegiant, which is, of course, movie three in the Divergent series. Uh, we have Sarah Stratton, actress and scriptwriter. Yeah, 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 nice. yeah. Welcome. I didn't know that. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we have Cortez G. West. Yes. Hey, Welcome. Hey. Hey, uh, what do I feel? You are number one. You're also you're film buff just like <laughs> us. Uh, you tend to like the action movies, so we yes, can definitely categorize yes. this as an action movie. <laughs> Although I do, you not... categorize this as an action movie? Uh. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. I know how Cortez thinks. Yeah. <laughs> this is the young adult action movie. Like, is that again? Like a young adult action movie? Yeah. Okay. Most definitely young. Sounds good. That's right. And I'm Phil Svitek, um, COO of uh, Popcorn Talk and After Buzz TV and uh, film editor. So welcome, ladies and gentlemen, um, as we talk Allegiant. Uh, let's start with overall thoughts. I want to give my thoughts on this movie. I still like this series better than Hunger Games. Only because what? I know I, I know this is gonna what? be very controversial. Here's the thing. For oh better or for gosh. worse, it's okay. like a Russian doll that you just keep like opening further and further and it just uh-huh. gets crazier and crazier. Now whether or not that's good, we can debate that, and I'm still kind of puzzling with with it myself. But it's just different than the Hunger Games. And I know people uh. Hugely disagree with me, but nonetheless, that that is my sentiment. Accurate. I hugely disagree with you. Um, We've covered this series for a while. I feel like we've been talking about all movies. All movies. Hunger Games. We only covered three. The last three. Yeah, and for this movie, there's a lot of things that play into my opinions. I read the first book. So, and then I saw the series, and then I've seen all of these movies. So this movie doesn't stand alone for me. And what it came down to is this is my least favorite of the Divergent series that have been made so far. Um, I did have a lot of problems with it. I think that if I hadn't read the book for... I only read the first book. I only read Divergent. And if I hadn't seen the other movies, I would have liked this movie more. Mm -hmm. But based on those factors, and that's the audience you're really playing to, like, it is nice to have a series movie that stands on its own, but you are playing towards the fans, the people who have stuck around for the franchise. That's the point of doing franchises. And it didn't work on that level. Well, I have a question, because, like, if if you're a person that's not following a certain series... And you go and watch a movie for the first time, and it may be in the middle of the series, that still should be a good movie, right? I agree that it should be a good movie. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But I think that it's better if I if there's if I have to pick, the movie should be better for the people who are dedicated to the franchise than for the few people that get pulled in to see that one part. So this is this is a problem then because I've witnessed that people who follow the series plus people like me, I'll be speaking for the ones who haven't followed the series, have said this movie is whack. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to raise my hand up and say I agree. 
okay. <laughs> from being a person just coming in and watching it. I mean, some of the things like to me when I watch certain movies, and especially if, we, if, we, if we're going to put it in the category of an action movie, um, there were some things that I thought that I would see like when when the guy got shot in the back of head in that back of the head, and I wanted to see like you know the dramatics of that, you know. And then they go back and show him again, and there was no blood, there was nothing whatsoever, and I was just like, what? You well, know, you in cater this to very the clean world that they have, there is no blood. Um, yeah. Well, it was raining blood, so <laughs> I, can't, I can't see blood. I mean, come on. It's definitely different. I, have, I, I don't know if you want me to go off on a tirade so I can let you direct know, the rest right? of the conversation. Because I think I, if I, I start, you 45 I'll just seconds. keep going. Um, <laughs> primarily, my biggest issue with this movie, there were a couple things that I liked, and we'll get into that more when we start talking about uh, production design, character development, whatnot. Right, but right. my biggest problem with this movie was the motivations behind the characters. Number one, on a movie on its own, I felt that um, the dialogue, the character relationships were pushed. Um, I felt like actors were trying to like make their motivations happen yeah. because it just, in the That's story, right. didn't make yeah. sense. On top of that, relating to franchise, I thought that problems that they've had for instance between Triss and number four like their relationship should have been stronger by this point we didn't need to rip them apart I felt like their like trouble in paradise couple like came out of nowhere because someone said oh we need them to break up for a bit or we need them to have a problem I didn't feel like it was justified I thought we were reliving um, themes that our characters had already learned the lesson of in previous films so you didn't enjoy their chemistry I, enjoyed the, I did enjoy their chemistry what I didn't understand is that in the first two movies they build up their relationship they've kind mm-hmm. of already gone through trials and they've been through so much together and so much about like not trusting others but really being there for each other that in this when they took a step back over the same issue of trusting an outside person who's been in their mm-hmm. lives for about two minutes didn't feel justified I believe from what they've created before I believed in them as a couple so to tear that apart so easily mm-hmm. just for the sake of creating conflict um, bothered well, me. You know, the way Theo James um, kind of explains it, in the first <clears throat> movie, they had a mistrust for each other. Mm-hmm. In the second movie, he was trying to protect her. Mm-hmm. And in this one, because they are comfortable with each other, they're on a level plane, and they can have arguments as a real couple. And I think, you know... Um, I think it is somewhat reflective of that, and I, I, I think I'm not saying that once you're a solid couple, you can't have issues. The issue that they picked, which was bringing in this man that they know nothing about, and having Tris automatically sign with him while he's like discriminating against four, didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like if he had been a huge four fan and was nice to four, four the whole time, and then was telling Trish a different opinion, maybe I could see her being swayed. But the fact that you have this person coming in, you know nothing about them. He's telling you this whole story. Talk about David. You, yeah, okay. with your whole life. Should the, the the problem of this series is they're constantly being told lies. They're being told things to believe, and they find out they're false. That's an ongoing theme. So that's when you're you're training your characters to be suspicious. And then you have this person who's lived this way of learning to be suspicious of everyone. And you have someone come in telling her another story. And she believes it. And this person is going, like, discriminating against her boyfriend. The but she didn't see that at first, though. I don't think she saw that at first, did she? 
I think that's debatable. I just think that I wanted them to be on a stronger front, and I thought that what tore them apart between this like decision that she had to make to go see this council or stay just wasn't handled in a way that I thought was believable. I literally thought that some of the things in here were like, we need bigger conflicts. We need. For um, I, see, I see what you said in that. We need aspect. to ramp yeah. up this action. We need to divide people and bring them back together. It just felt like on page thirty, we have to have this happen. On I page just got tired 50, of her wearing white. I was like, uh-huh. we know you're pure girl. You're pure. We get it. Well, <laughs> let me ask you. Um, <laughs> you know, this is this is something that Cortez wouldn't have known. But um, to me, when she's going to Providence, mm-hmm. she's dressed exactly like Janine. Mm-hmm. Um, which Janine was obviously the you know the evil character in the first two movies and, and something to overcome and and so it was interesting that that was the wardrobe that they chose to give her. Mm-hmm. It, I mean that goes to production design in general, which yeah. it was extremely yeah. um, obvious. Like when she is wearing white mm-hmm. and everyone else is wearing black. Yeah. When you have like the DNA structure of the building that um, David's in or in. And at the, the Chicago, Chicago Hare Airport. Yeah. Yes, like it, it you can tell um it, it's just like very literal kind of. Like you are wearing white, you are yeah, wearing and, black. Yeah. This is make it everything as cookie cutter as possible. Um well let me ask you this. I mean, you know, is this a problem uh since we're kind of talking about story, might as well talk about story and then we'll kind of backtrack. Um is, is this a problem with franchises in general? Because one has to build upon the other, and it's almost like it becomes a, a, a trope of, like, in the next one, you meet the new boss. Um, so in this scenario, you know, we've defeated Janine. We kind of get a quick recap of that. And then we've moved on to now David. And, you know, then back in Chicago, we have the factionless and, um, you know, uh, Joanna fighting. I mean, you you know, they say you always have to change directions. If With this franchise, it seems to have been, you know, uh, Tris in the Divergent is battling her own identity. It's like that's who she is is the problem. And then you expand to the city, and it's like who she is in the city and the problem there. And this is expanding to the world. So it's like her circle of is getting bigger and bigger. And that's very normal for franchises. Um, you do have to pick a new villain or enemy or challenge like you can't do the same thing every time that's how stories work um i i liked the expansion because i i did want to know it was outside of the walls um how so this is the first time you get to see what's outside of the wall yes so basically your first movie for and for anyone else who didn't see it um in the first movie you meet tris she is kind of an outcast. She doesn't fit in with her family. Um, and that's because she has this capability to what at the time they called be dauntless, mm-hmm. which is kind of like the kick-ass, like, military sector of the society. So she, like, goes away from her family, who's very peaceful, and joins, like, basically the military combat people. And I was wondering how she, why she can fight all of a sudden. I was just like, this is a movie. Like, as the first a yeah. person coming to see this movie for the first time in this series, mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Can yeah. everyone fight? Because I didn't see where they were so staying. That's like first movie. It's okay. like that got she it, was not it. raised by the combat people, but she has this skill. But it turns out that there's more to her. Mm-hmm. And basically, she can't be confined by like a type of person, whether it be peaceful or smart or um, 
athletic, like dangerous. Mm. She is balanced and has all of these characteristics. Um, and then, so that's really who she is in the first one. Then the second one, she wants to kind of break the mold <clears throat> of the society and stop these, what they called factions, from happening. And there's like this whole plot with you've got Janine, and she's like the key because she does have this divergent. Uh, I don't know how you would say it, genetic. Box. Yeah. Well, box that need, need the yeah. Pandora's box that needed to be unlocked, which is so the she's secret like that the key us here. because she's like what we would call probably well-rounded. Hmm. And now it's she's broken out. Obviously, we see that this whole thing's been an experiment. What? She is either the miracle child of the experiment. Well, let me ask say. you this because uh-huh. because this, you know you mentioned that this thing's built lies upon lies. Uh, one of the things, you know, that I still walk away with, what is the true goal of David and the Chicago experiment? Because obviously in Providence we find out that, you know, he lied about everything and that, you know, he has the power to do anything he wants. Right, and I didn't see him as a villain. I just thought that he just wanted to try to, I don't know. And what is it, like, I, I get the, you, you know, we're introduced to the, the genetics mm-hmm. of damaged first pure. Mm-hmm. Is he actually trying to make pure genetics in people? I and the it, fact that we have to guess and I can't just be like this is his goal mm-hmm. is kind of a problem because when I say what I th- I think his goal is to prove that damaged people can event damaged people can eventually create pure people by just the right kind of balance and mixing in yeah. time. But would so, you say? But honestly, I want I want to talk about that because I think you have to kind of go with that as harsh as he is, right? I never got. I never got um, a sense that, you know, you, 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 um, utilitarianism, right? Mm-hmm. So where you do things that might not be so good, but you do it ultimately for the greater good. And I'm not sure at the end of it, if I walked away with it, that his motives were truly at least utilitarianist. Okay. I could, I could totally see that. And I think it's because for me, at least, there was a couple of things that were hazy, Um because you have, I'm going to call, th- what, three locations. You have the pure city. You have your scientist compound that's observing. And you have the inside the walls. And <clears throat> dealing with the council, dealing with David, wasn't clear enough as to who really wanted what and what, where they wanted this all to end up. Do you think that council scene was cut short? I, I felt so. like it I felt like, I it felt like was the too. whole council, like... City was cut short. I yeah. was expect. I I thought we were going to be there for at least a good ten minutes, mm-hmm. yeah. and we just get one tiny scene, maybe less than a minute. I mm. think that's where you get like this is a part one, and sometimes when people are like this can be two movies, you get scenes like this that just feel out of place. place. Yeah. Like yeah. that could that whole thing could have happened over like a. You know, when a visual call or a hologram or something, and been more effective. It it just it, they took you somewhere new, left you there for one minute, and it was like three quarters of the way through. It didn't make I, any sense. Strangest thing, maybe I I wasn't able to find Providence in in the books. I don't know. Maybe it actually existed in the books, but I wasn't able to find whether or not yeah. it actually existed. So forgive me. I you know you guys know I try to do as much research mm-hmm. as possible. Which by the way, you can. Download our show notes. But um, if anyone's read the full books, please let me know because I can't find whether or not Providence is in there. I'm very interested because this gets into a little bit of story. Um, 
I, I'm very curious how book readers do feel about this. I mean, in general, who's having that positive. But when you have the director of Allegiant went to Shailene Woodley playing Tris and said, don't read the book because mm-hmm. so much <clears throat> is changing. Yeah. That's very interesting. And, like, I, I read book one before seeing the first movie. And the reason I stopped reading was because there was a tonal change for me between the book's and at least the first book in the first movie. The first book of Divergent to me was very gritty, very dark, kind of, there's brutal scenes. And it's huge. That is a thick book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, it was like this thick. I don't even remember. I, remember, <laughs> I think it's I like 400 something pages. I, just I was like, like, wow. I just remember being like, wow, they're going to make like a dark young adult mm. movie. And then it came out and it didn't embrace that grittiness. It was it wasn't ho- horrible the first movie or anything. I stick stuck with the series. But I was like, okay, if this is the tone they're going with, mm. I can't get connected to this <laughs> franchise as well, I, I, we will talk about the big sh- uh, at the end. I will call a spoiler, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll come discuss some things. So, um, for those of you who read the book, feel free to stick around for that. Yeah. Um, but 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 the first book is written in for is the source material like you actually enjoyed it? Because oh, I, yeah. I, I I read the first book and I really enjoyed it because I have a you know um, in terms of the source material, like mm-hmm. a lot of people are citing that it isn't necessarily the strongest. And if I had to get, I, you know, I, I just kind of peruse through um, the books and the fact that it's written first person and it's present tense, I think is very limiting. Um, and unfortunately, that to me also, like, like there's many people that cite that of a, of a novice writer. I mean, I can't speak for the whole franchise. I can just speak from my first experience and like the points that stuck out. And this was the book where we were dealing with this young girl basically learning how to fight. Mm. And it was like you had scenes where she was getting beaten up. Like kids, I think, were like dying. And a lot of that just kind of got cleanly... I mean, you mentioned it even earlier in this movie. You're Mm. not seeing the blood, the disaster in this. It is the spiffy new version. It's supposed to be visually appealing. You're not supposed to be feeling it's not it's never been gritty the fact that you're i felt like the blood raining from the sky scene was like tame would you say that the first book was grittier than hunger games the book uh i i haven't read them in a couple years Uh. that's too too reaching back in my memory and i'm like (laughs) i don't know i don't remember we gotta get you some better memory (coughs) i just need to read fewer books (laughs) they blend together after a while but, I mean, it it's what they've picked, and I'm wondering, they've talked about oversaturation in the YA market. It's all, it, that's a constant. Lively, and, like, yeah. this has not done well, and it, is it because of the visual look? Is it because it reads too similar to if you pull up a picture of this to Maze Runner to Hunger Games, their color scheme-wise, a lot of it seems very It was kind similar. of predictive of predictable too as a person that's watching it like I was like I know this this might happen but I was like and when it did happen I was like oh man like <laughs> come on like I knew um the the character I forgot his name actually the one that's like the a-hole Peter <laughs> Peter when he was like uh starting to because I was I guess from my review of watching everyone else's v- review it was more so he's a character that has always been that way 
always yeah. an a-hole, right? So, like, when he was in the room with Evelyn mm-hmm. and he was locked up, but he got away. Like, I knew he was not going to die. I was like, he's pretty that much almost holding. every time. And I was like, he's pretty, like, he pretty much holding that Happens to him every movie. Character. He, like, messes up, betrays everyone, mm-hmm. and then still lives. <laughs> every time. Wow. Because he adds comic relief throughout mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah, and that's what I figured. I was like, no, nah, he, he's kind of carrying the, the, uh, the uh, like, the inside yeah. of the movie to me. Yeah. But people, people are actually citing, like, uh, f- the switch between his tone from the book to the movie. They actually do like him specifically for mm-hmm. that comic relief. Um, and I don't know if this is like this is a factor in any way, shape, or form. But um, Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley are close friends. So, mm-hmm. well, she brought him on mm-hmm. to this series. She yeah. brought him into Dory Rich, and they had done a movie, but uh, outside spectacular. Um, now, yep, indeed. And she got this, and she basically pulled him on. She's That's like, a friend. That's a true friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I, and I would definitely say he did keep me from continuing to watch the movie because usually I would get up and, and leave. But like I, I didn't follow the story. I was mostly following like little points and little little things that would happen when mm-hmm. when it got more action and that's when I'm like, oh cool. But yeah. The fight scenes were my favorite part actually. Yeah, and the fact when they first got um over the wall and they first got to um the city and like that whole I'm I'm into technology, I'm into like high the tech gadgets. things. Yeah. So and I was just like, oh that's pretty cool. Like how they was in the little floating the things bubbles. and then they got mm-hmm. to the thing and they had to take the clothes off there and stuff like that. There was a lot of gadgetry cool. in this one. Yeah. A lot, I would say probably more than the other ones. Yeah, I mean, you had to connect the worlds. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I liked that aspect of it because we've had the simulations in the past. And now, while this isn't a simulation, you're you're kind of simulating into a real place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoyed that. And, and Shailene, she spoke about how this time around they have to be a lot more trusting of the, the visual effects. Because um, at least in the past, they've had physical sets to, to work with. This was just, you know, it was just blue screen, green screen, whatever the case was. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to believe that their reactions, whatever they were reacting to, would, would Did work. Did you have a favorite gadget? I really liked the whole... Spe- I was like Caleb in, in, in just the, the monitoring scene of like, oh, this is fantastic. Well, you can see like everyone. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it was kind of like weird though. It's like, is there... A, what? Where are the cameras for me to see every single thing that every single person is doing? I, I wanted them to come up with more rules. Because I was like, hold was, on, that's not cool. There was no... There <laughs> We're being was, watched right now. Yeah, I'm like, hold on, this is not cool. They didn't create any guidelines for the viewer. And mm. maybe there weren't any. But that was... That's always... When you just give someone an ultimatum, like, they're watching you absolutely everywhere. That's not as entertaining as finding the loopholes or even using their own technology to find those loopholes. Like, Mm. oh, well, everyone in that city doesn't know we're watching them. But if you use our, like, camouflage army gear, you can (coughs) avoid. Like, there was no, this is how you break the rule. This is where Mm. the line is. It was just kind of a blanket statement of you're viewed everywhere. And didn't give you anything else. I think the biggest problem was that they were viewed everywhere, but not everyone was viewing them. Even though when they arrived, everyone knew them as if this was like Big Brother. Yeah. The TV show. Not necessarily the... It was the, like, the trash, trash. It was like, yeah. oh, cats. You should need to go sign autographs or something? It was very... That that was a little bit of miss for me. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. My, creepy. I think my favorite gadget was... I did like the drones. I, oh, that I was thought, dope. I thought that, I thought that <laughs> was, was pretty cool. And I did like the costuming, how depending on um, how the camo of, would change, yeah, yeah. how it would shift yeah. from the red to the blue. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
but I was like, yeah, there's some there's some cool gadgets. They've good ideas. I just wanted a little bit more of connect the dots and have your gadgets play against each other because pretty much it was like their gadgets dominate everything, and mm. there was no way to like counteract battle. They lived in pretty pretty uh, low rank, uh, you know, whatever ha- habitats, right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the, basically they're like st- the, the, they're barracks, but they're so low rent <laughs> for this technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, it was kind of weird in that that way. Okay. Um, let's okay. One of the things that I want I want to talk about the fringe mm-hmm. because that. You know, for the first time, we're kind of introduced to um, people in the real world that aren't part of neither experiment nor, the, nor this high-tech society. Um, what was your impression of that? Because obviously, we, we get it through the mother's eyes at first that it's, you know, a bad thing and that Dave, what David's <laughs> doing is a good thing. But we obviously left out the whole part where she's brainwashed or at least yeah. brain erased. Um, I liked the addition of the fringe. I liked the idea of it. In my head, it was like a little bit of like you could maybe find some, I don't know, like Mad Max design out there or something. It did look like Mad like Max a little. The tents and the colors, and except for Mad Max is more extreme, obviously. But um, I, I actually didn't fully believe the contact mother memory scene for almost the entire movie. I thought that was fake. Like, I thought that was a, like, lie in technology, and it was going to be like, oh, he he crafted that. I didn't take that to be true straight when it was true, because to me, it didn't make sense. I didn't understand how she was born out there and then got into the city <clears throat> and got, like, put in a faction, especially when we've heard from that character in previous movies about how she went through the same ceremonies that Tristed. Which implied that she was a young adult or child there. Seventeen. Trish's mother. So yeah. So okay. in the in yeah. the previous movies, like when Trish is going through all this like internal identity struggle, her mother's mm-hmm. there for her, and it's kind of like I think she says like I was born in Dauntless or something. Mm-hmm. But she hints that like she's been there and grew up there and went through that transition as well. Yeah, because they they saw when um, she gave her the they gave um, Trish. The um, the thing to pin things for her to see her mother's eyes from, yeah. from that time frame. So, but for me, it like was a disconnect because I had always there's lines to support that her mother was in that society for a long time, and then the way that I heard David say it, it made it sound like she had reached adulthood before transferring over to the city. So, to me, I was like, so I where just do didn't you know ultimately end up him. on it? Ultimately, they end. Like, saying it was true. So I have to take what the movie says. They never say that it was a lie. So I have to... Like, just based on that, I just have to believe because that's the circumstances they were giving me. I mean, to me, it seems simple enough that uh, that she was was kidnapped. Um, She got the memory erase serum. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, she was there. And for... However it happened, whether by by actual volunteering or not, um, you know, I don't think it ultimately matters. She ended up going to as part of the, this experiment. Yeah, I mean, I, and then I, she did. I, to I, me, she grew up there. I have to believe that. I didn't think it really was believable in the way it was portrayed, but. So you said the part when what Trish saw 
what was supposed to be her mother's eyes. You, mm-hmm. you didn't believe that? Not now, immediately. Mm-mm. Well, I can I can kind of see why you would because to me, we're like, why would they only keep Trisha's mother's memory? And I was just like, well, why all of a sudden? Cause, so, like, if David can make all this other stuff, he probably made that as well. Same, right? Like, I thought I thought it was a trick. I but, thought it was a trick. I, I was expecting more, and I was curious why he didn't show like we didn't go on this entire journey why that like because it was very specific and it was very drawn out i thought we'd kind of have like a montage of memory of like mm-hmm. yeah like at first she was a kid and then she was this and then she was this and then she was this and but, we didn't we, we just got that yeah portion i it didn't i mean but we are told that it's true and nothing else says that it's not so i think we have to believe it fair enough um let's talk about caleb the, the the brother because um, I mean you could look at Peter and he's he's overtly this sort of uh, weasel character but but Caleb he's been on the fringe a little bit you know right and I, I can understand it like was he like a what, first of all why was he arrested so in previous movies Caleb um, basically was part of the faction that was run by like basically a tyrant woman. Mm-hmm. So she kind of like took over and her and he worked for her. Okay. And there comes to a point where I believe he goes to kill his sister. Yeah. Or something along those lines. Trish? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's like there's a, I don't remember exactly See, but for, these are for the people who haven't watched the other ones. I'm asking <laughs> these like, questions for you, you know. More <laughs> or less he works for the team you didn't want to win. Okay. Like, he's like he's an been, SS soldier for Hitler. Got or it. was. But he was Tris's brother. So. Okay. Yeah. So now I see why uh, four was like, I gotta save your brother. I'll help you save your brother. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But uh, but yeah, we're, we're uh, there's still a lot of distrust in that regard. This was him building really? up towards. I felt like of the movies, this was his most likable. Likable, yeah. Yeah. I agree. This was his trying to help, trying she, to be a good person. When she asked him to find four, he's like anything for you and. Let me ask you this, um, because I'm not going to give it away where it's going, but in terms of motivation, is it out of, did you feel that it was out of true love or out of a necessity that he owes them something? No, I really think it was out of, yeah, I think it was out of true love at that point when they got to the city. Um, I think that he is changing. I think that he's trying, I think that Caleb even though he hasn't always been, his allegiance hasn't always been with where the audience wants it to be, he does try and do things for the right reasons. He doesn't, they haven't really displayed him as a malicious or evil character versus like Peter's intentions are definitely self-centered. He's arrogant. Like Caleb doesn't possess those qualities. But if I have to pick like one character's motivations or arc that's going in a way that I feel the most believable, it is four. Four for the series, I feel like his trajectory as a character is the most consistent, consistent, believable, um, and for me, it carried a lot of this movie. What did you think? Did you think, um, Caleb? Um, it's tough to say because um, I know the direction that it's headed, ah. so I can't, I can't mm. really speak on it without biases got it gotcha. um but i you know it's interesting that you say four um let me ask you this uh just as a general quick note uh theo james he 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 understands he gets these parts because he's theo james yeah. <laughs> um but what at the end of it he wants to make sure he wants to make sure that people like him for his acting so um i like i just said he was he's my favorite character arc 
the I think that also comes from the writing. I think he does a good job of it, but at least the writing for his character, I understood why he was doing what he was doing. The only part I didn't like is when um, there's a couple instances in this movie where I don't like it when characters have a key piece of information and have the opportunity to say it and don't. For instance, um, when he finds out about the memory gas for the children and he goes to tell Tris, like, hey, this guy is doing horrible things. And that is the line to call her. Like, she walks away. And that's the time to call her back with, he's erasing their memories. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't uh, say it. Yeah, he has his long yeah. monologue like, prepared, but he can't summarize it. I was like, where are you going with this? But now I see what you're saying. Like, like he doesn't just say. Like, he has all these yeah. facts. Like, he has, you know, they're taking kids. They're doing You're not going. Ways. Yeah, because he was like, like, you're not going. Da, 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 da. But now nah, he didn't. I was just like, well, just tell her so she can. Exactly. You, know, you just don't get to the point it. where, yeah. like, you know this. And if you say this to someone, yeah. they're going to pause for at least two minutes and let you finish what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and there was a couple times. Or there was going to be havoc to be had. But we needed to, we needed to <laughs> but, meet the but council. you needed to go. We need to meet the council. So, yeah. Which I love how uh, the other, like, the, the, the capital city is called Providence. Very symbolic. I'm just Probably, saying. I mean, come on. No, it makes sense. Pure city. Pure everything. city. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know more about that city. I'm guessing we'll get it in part two. Presumably, if it never comes back, I would find it hilarious. If that we'll city see. just ne- never just comes <laughs> just back, just never yeah. comes back. Um, this is kind of going back to the relationship of, of Four and mm-hmm. uh, Trish, but um, one of the, one of the things how Theo explains. Uh, their chemistry is the fact that, like, if you do a love, uh, a romantic movie, whether a romantic comedy or just, you know, drama, um, you only kind of have one shot at it, right? You have to develop that chemistry within one movie. This, um, they've started together, and over the course of these three movies, they've been able to develop that and grow, and so there's that comfort level at, at this point in time that they have yeah. for each other. And they're each other's consistent. Like they've said, there's been different directors, they're different writers, but that team is what is constantly together. And when you're making a movie and dividing it between, like, who's having scenes with who, a lot of their scenes are together. Mm. So they're working together the most. Versus, like, to get Building the... Building the chemistry. Yeah. Building the, yeah. And they have that time. That's good. But... Um, speaking of David, uh, how did you guys think about Jeff Daniels? Because um, I do want to talk about that. <clears throat> Number one, he... Um, they kind of sought him out. Which I thought was an interesting casting choice. Like to me, I always think of Jeff Daniels as Dumb Dumber. Yeah. Um, and then you know, for him, he says his biggest challenge was imagining the future. You know, like what that would actually be. I mean, you know, I think this he is did a good job. Yeah, I, I think he did a great job. I think he did a good job. Yeah. Um, I I think that my concern or my problems come more from like. Uh, motivations surrounding that character like his portrayal mm-hmm. I think that I think that a lot of the actors did the best with what they were given I just felt that some of it for instance Naomi Watts is the easiest one for me to point out is just that she's she had to focus so hard on like I have to do this for my son like because those were her lines and she just had to keep going but she never they never give her the opportunity to actually like listen to her son, mm-hmm. like that's not written in, mm-hmm. and there's that's not 
You can't place that on the actor because it's the scenes they have. Maybe it was edited out. Maybe it was written. Maybe who knows what happened. But it's hard when you. I felt like a lot of the motivations were like kind of being pushed or yelled at the other person. Like, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> what happened there? Shocking me a little bit. But like, it's like she's like, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. Mm-hmm. But you never get to spend the time with them in this movie. For them to talk or for him to for her to listen to what he wants or really get to know. It's like I'm telling I'm shoving my motivation at you, but I'm not taking the time mm-hmm. to actually justify why I want to do all these things. So speaking of David, are we still ca- categorizing him as a villain or an evil person? Because I still didn't get that from David. I, I just got that he was a he was a character that was trying to do something better for the city and he was not able to because of the council. So he had to come up with some, and maybe, yes, it had to be a lie or whatever the case may be. He had to do whatever he needs to do to get it, but I don't see him as a villain, and I but don't see him as a... I think, the, I think the eventual thing will be that you can't treat humans as lab rats. Yeah. No matter what, you know what I mean? Like, people can't be... Even categor- if he's trying to get for the good. But, yeah, but, but he's, he's the, not seeing them as people, people. that are worth something. Okay. He's seeing them as experiments. Yeah, the whole point is that... Uh, you know that it is no different. That even though we've been through the these now now the third movie, like the fact that they have these tattoos, which again kind of goes back to you know Nazism. It's you're not that much different in in the sense of you know factions versus pure and damaged. Like it like all of it just needs to be ended. Yeah, is essentially the point. And I think that what they try to do, I still am going to categorize them as. I'm going to categorize him as the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they have tried to do in this franchise, like with Kate Winslet's character, um, is not make them, oh, I need power as much as like, oh, we want to fix society. Mm. That's kind of constantly all of their highest people's goals. Mm. Like, all of them are like, we want to fix this society. We want to fix this society. Like, that is what they seem to all want. Yeah, and you know, interestingly enough, speaking of Evelyn, um, it was actually in the book. It was Trish who uh, figured out David's plan and tried to stop him. But obviously, in the, in the film, it's Evelyn um, who's told to release this serum. Gas, yeah. serum, orange madness. Communication, man. I mean, I get the uh, the orange just made it visually easier to see. See, yeah, yeah. yeah. that is why that color was chosen. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, there's a couple of other. Um... I mean, I have some information. I said before that my favorite part of this movie, I think, was the stunts and the action. I thought that the combat looked really, really good. They there was a large variety. Um, one of the things that they did together was the wall climb. That's been getting a lot of publicity. Mm-hmm. Was when they all were held up and down and were running. And um, Shailene's gotten a lot of praise because she's done a lot of her stunts since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And she does a lot of the jumps, the running, everything like that. It's all them. It was also one of the only scenes where you have kind of your ensemble cast all working together. Um, it's hours and hours hanging on a rope. But they, I thought it was visually done really well. And that was at one point going to be like a big battle scene instead of like the blowing up and then running over the wall. But I thought that was one of my favorites. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything extra special about the interviews, but there's tons of information out there. It's one of their big press points. Um, But did you guys have a favorite action scene or moment? 
Um, I thought that one was was well done, and I'm glad they're highlighting it. But as as a favorite, um, you know, not necessarily. Um, I'm tr- I'm trying to think of. Th- there was a lot of smaller action sequences, but yeah. there was never like one Major, big set big, piece. Yeah. Mm. I agree. Did you want like a war? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah, I did. Even for um, when Evelyn and uh, what was the other? Um, you were talking about the Evelyn and the other. She's talking about the. He's talking about the leader of the Am. Joanna. Joanna. Yes. Evelyn and jo- Joanna. I really wanted a little bit more of that before mm-hmm. peace or before. There you was just had a, really big wide. Yeah, shot, I just like, yeah, overhead. I was just like okay, and it was probably not even all those people. It was just a green shot, but I felt like I wanted a little bit more for them to break mm-hmm. up. Yeah, because tensions were high, but yeah. they never reached yeah. the boiling point. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, the that scene you're, t- you're talking about with the climbing, um, I enjoyed it until the the shot the the, the way they um, had it lined up where we knew she was about to get shot. Like I knew mm-hmm. she was about to get shot. Like I was waiting like oh she about to die. Like, like someone, I was like, she's about, to, yeah, she's about to die. It's just one of those things. Uh, I hate to say it, when you, you know, when when you're watching, you're like, ah, oh, just just lesson mm-hmm. learned. Like, don't look at the beauty. Just go. If people are firing at you, go. <laughs> yeah, just go. Because in real life, I'm not standing to talk. No, you don't stand. <sighs> that was a lie. No, let's go. We've been chased. Like, let's go, man. Yeah. Too much, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, any other story elements that you guys want to touch upon before we move into the oh, technical aspects? You know what else I thought was great. Which I, well, just as a shot person in uh-huh. production, I love the fact on how when they got over the wall, and who was the guy that was chasing him? Oh, he's talking about the Mohawk guy who gets his face burned yes. off. Uh, what Yo, is? Yo, when he came over name? that rock and it froze, and they looked at him, and they all looked at each other like as he kept going over across yeah, them. That was before. cool. That yeah. was cool. I thought that was really cool because I was like, "Wait, so why is this standing? <laughs> like, shoot him! Like, it's it's, it's slow enough for you to just <laughs> get it's you a quick aim." For slow I know. I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> like straight out of. But I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I thought it was really cool because I wasn't. I was thinking to myself, "Now, how did he get up the wall so easy?" Yeah, I thought it was interesting trying to figure out how With the much. Truck. Yeah, but how much. Um, Whoever was in charge of inside the walls knew about outside the walls. It, that's what I got. I yeah. I was like, well, how did Evelyn find? She seemed to know about mm-hmm. these people. Yeah. And I was like, how, what is the communication there? Mm-hmm. And how did that start between her? Because she hasn't been in power that long. But or maybe she's been trying to reach counsel. A lot of those things just <laughs> to help them out. <laughs> didn't make complete sense. Well, I mean, it's uh, in terms of Evelyn, it's just. Um, what's the what's the female character's name in um, Hunger Games? Katniss. No, not not Katniss, but the one who who who's like um, the leader. You're of talking Katniss. about Julianne Moore. Yes. Uh, her. Well, whatever. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's it, it, to me it, it was it reminded me of that character where it's someone who says they're gonna they're gonna help out the city, but ultimately they just gain power through right. it themselves. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's just a means to sort of an end in, in one way, shape, or form. And how does jo- why why is Joanna a leader? She, she they basically there used to be like the a, a big leader or whatever council type thing, and then Joe. Um, there was all these different factions, like mm-hmm. groups, mm-hmm. and each of those had their own leader as well. Mm-hmm. And Joanna had been part of the peaceful group or like the friendly group or something. And um, she was had been there later, so this was like her shift. And she's not going to be peaceful, ha- like 
nice anymore. She's willing to go to war. And and what was her name? The other girl? The one that was there before? Jean. Before Jean. Evelyn? Janine? Yeah. Is dead. Janine yes. is dead. She is good and dead. She was killed. Although uh, Shailene did want her back in the movie because Kate Winslet is an uh, inspiration of hers. Mm. I mean, maybe. I'm trying to say... There was a lot of... Uh, did you guys watch any interviews or anything from I watched the this? few, but not... I mean, there's so many. There's so many, and they've been doing these characters for years. I was just curious, because am I watching it? It seems like they're a little bit tired of being part of this franchise. <laughs> I, my first time watching it, I felt the same way. Like, yeah. I didn't even... I wasn't even thinking about past anything. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that as a person going in, oh, let me just go watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it and I'm like, why do they feel like they're just like over it? It seemed a little over I, it. Well, think about like just from a schedule perspective, right? It just it's wears draining. you out. And it's one of the reasons they've given for why the director changes is because they've been so worn out worn from out doing from, these. Yeah. And I mean, you have to keep your actors. And like, think about it this way, like, um, you know, Shailene's... <clears throat> Like, in between this time, Shailene did uh, Fault in Our Stars, uh, uh, Spectacular Now. Um, That was kind of a little bit before that. Mm -hmm. But um, I forget what Theo is up to. Miles Teller did Fantastic Four during all this. So, like, uh, they've got a lot going on. Yeah, their careers have definitely been growing. So, I mean, it it is a huge... It's exhausting. And, like, Shailene's 24. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that... yeah, that's not necessarily normal, like adulthood. Yeah, but I think that it's reading a little bit in these ones, <laughs> not as much in their other projects. Yeah. But I thought it, it read a little bit in this one that they seem a little tired, hmm. not in like like in the action scenes and everything where the energy's up. They it looks good. I just felt in some more the the dialogue heavy scenes. I just didn't know if I fully felt like they believed it. Well, I think, you know, I mean, part of part of it is that, you know, a lot of people, fans and critics, Mm -hmm. like these dialogue scenes are just explanation, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and there's no real kind of conflict with it. It's just, you know, you're sitting there, I'm Mm -hmm. sitting here and I'm explaining to you everything that you need to know. And so that just isn't as fun to play. And they weren't in their, like the real scene. They were in green screens and Lottie, like you said, they weren't actually in in that place, so. I filmed in Atlanta. It just depends. But um, I... Um, Atlanta, <laughs> Chicago. You know, yeah, there's, Chicago. There's similar. I don't know. But I, I, I'm, I'm very... This is the thing that I think I've been most fascinated about in this, this version of the movie is just the changes they've been doing to the characters, the storyline. There's um, one interviewer asked Shailene, you talked about how this process, you've worked with so many different creative individuals, with so many different visions thrown into this storyline. How do you stay true to what your perception of Triss is and how to tell her story? <coughs> and her answer was, it's hard. It's actually difficult because from day one, her perception of Triss has been the Triss that was the, written in the books. She says, I loved that Triss. When I signed on to these movies, we didn't have a script for Divergent. It was just the book as the source material. So it's difficult to retain the integrity of who Triss is in a world that doesn't cater to that. Then, at the same time, it's a good challenge. And we are very fortunate to have Theo because he's fully on the same page with his character. We we reflect back and forth on one another. So we're lucky, even if our very structures have shifted some things from the source material, they're also very open to a collaboration. So this, to me, just sounds like 
they've made this pot where there was a character that she signed on to do. They and it's just been changing, and she's adapting, and she's a talented actress, so she's you know figuring out her through lines. But it is a challenge when you have these different visions coming on board, and your character is changing so much. Yeah, I mean the the big question is who's ultimately driving. I mean. Um, mm-hmm. The first movie, I forget the director's name, but at, at the very least, Insurgent and Legion were directed by mm-hmm. Robert, um, the same director. Now, um, Ascendant, the the fourth movie, is going to have a different director. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. They, they haven't started filming that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll see what we get there. I but. don't think I would see it. Even as a person that's following it, do you think you would see it? I mean, I will because I like to see a series through mm-hmm. um, and I think that since they do get a wrap up so much more since mm-hmm. it's going to be a part two and not a part one I'm hoping that their ideas it's more about getting to that than I felt like some of maybe the plot devices and like breaking them apart might have been because they made it into two movies mm-hmm. and it was like okay well we need to create you know your climax for this one because you have to, you can't just have a movie build and build and building it off. Like, you have to give it ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the second part, we'll have more of a clear trajectory where we where we need to go, to go by the end of it. Okay. So, I will watch it, and I hope that, I just hope that they stay well, true to the characters yeah, that they've been creating. Yeah, maybe we know more about the council, too. <laughs> well, this, um, <laughs> so this trend of two movies really started with Harry Potter and mm-hmm. um, Warner Brothers, and now kind of Lionsgate's really adopted that through Twilight, Hunger mm-hmm. Games, and now this. Um, and for, but for Harry Potter, it made sense. I mean, that was an almost an 800-page book. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you split it 400 and 400. Um, but in terms of this one, uh, the co-chairman, Robert Friedman, wrote, uh, Veronica Roth brings her captivating story to a masterful conclusion in Allegiant, <laughs> a rich, action-packed book with material that is ideally suited to two strong and fulfilling movies. The storytelling arc and the world of the characters lend themselves perfectly to two movies, a storytelling strategy that has worked very well for us on uh, Twilight. Um, and so they were enthusiastic about doing this one. Again, but, but, but I think the problem is if you're not borrowing from the source material directly, then you can change it however you want. Um, I agree. I agree with that. I think it's a very good point. If you're already saying we're changing way a lot from the book, yeah. and then you're putting on two movies, I think that you can do this <coughs> type of this type of genre in one movie. You don't have like I don't think it's that difficult. Um, I think from a lot of the reviews that I've actually watched and panel discussions I've actually watched about this movie, they pretty much all said the same thing. There was like, we don't need, and this is like from probably some of the most known review people on YouTube. They were like, we don't, we don't need all these movies. Just give us one. <laughs> like put it all in one and just. But give it's us a little one. late for that. Yeah, <laughs> kind of way, way late. It is a little late for that. Um, but since budgets are being cut, things are being changed. Maybe in the future we will start seeing more and better movies opportunities mm-hmm. with yeah. better stories. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, let, let's talk about um, let's talk about the technicals, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, Robert, do you know how to pronounce I his can, name, I sir? Cannot, I was wondering too. Like, how do you pronounce Sw- it? Schwentke. <laughs> I'm not going to even try because I will be disrespectful. Good luck, Schwentke. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. Um, he did time, <laughs> time travels wife, R.I.P.D., uh, and of course Insurgent, and now this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a German director. 
Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think in terms of direction, um, you know, I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it necessarily. Um, it seemed consistent. What I, what I did enjoy, it's like Insurgent had a different tone from Divergent, the first one mm-hmm. to me, and I, I could feel it. And that, and because he directed Insurgent and now this, it felt a little bit um, similar. My problem with this movie is that it made me want to rewatch the other movies, not because I enjoyed it so much and made me like want to live in the world more, but because I made me feel like I was remembering things wrong. Or like which it, parts? It made me feel like I was like, because in my head I was like, I think I've seen these relationship problems. I think some of this is going against dialogue that we've already heard. Like it made me want to verify and be like, I think that I'm remembering things wrong. I'm smiling now because I'm like, you're literally saying everything that these like true people who follow this were saying in their reviews, and I'm like, wow. Like it's it's funny how people who who are like really truly following this and saying the same thing. I mean that that's just how I felt. It's and I probably will. And this has been it. It's definitely not my favorite young adult franchise. But we've always talked about the the amazing cast that they pull on board for every movie. Like they don't have an actor who has a bad reputation. Every single actor they pull on. Is typically well liked, well known, going places and like on an <laughs> like on an upward climb in mm-hmm. their career. Um, so it's so it has so much potential. And I think that is also another reason I keep watching them. And they've taken this route of we're going to make it really. They push for visuals more than anything. I think that's one of their primary targets. Is like. What can we add that's visually dynamic to the movie we're creating? Um, just with their design and whatnot. So I want to see these things come together. And it just unfortunately didn't completely align for me most centrally because of character motivation and not learning from previous mistakes or what we've already seen. Mm. I mean, I will say this movie was more enjoyable for me than the third Hunger Games movie. Okay. I just because that was just she. I don't know. Anyway, go listen to my thoughts mm-hmm. on that. And yeah, I was gonna say I'll, maybe I go watch that one because I actually like that one better than this. But okay, mm-hmm. is it because Jennifer Lawrence has a song in it? Well, maybe <laughs> <laughs> we figured it out. Um, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> why don't we Why don't we skip ahead to kind of the marketing and, and the reception of all of this? Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> interestingly enough, like. Uh, the the imagery we had behind us. Um, it was originally going to be Allegiant Part One and Allegiant Part Two. Then they changed it to be uh, the third one is obviously Allegiant. The fourth one's going to be um, ascend- Ascendant. Something. Like that. Um, and this one's is Break the Boundaries of Your World, which I think fits nicely. I think we're going to find out this whole universe is in like someone's head yeah. or something. Like we're just going to like they're just going to be like. Sorry, this is actually an entire experiment. Um, I thought it was interesting that, you know, because a lot of, we'll talk about a lot of the budget cuts being made for the fourth one, Mm -hmm. but this one wasn't shot in 3D. So while it's not necessarily a budget cut, it is Mm -hmm. different from the others. And, you know, I mean, it must be down to a money thing because it obviously could have lent itself greatly to 3D. Yeah, I think it could have definitely. Which I thought was interesting. This one. 
Yeah. I think I can see that. Yeah, day. it definitely could yeah. could have had three. I think it's just because I'm sure that when they were crafting this movie, <coughs> I mean, this hasn't had the has had the lowest release um, numbers wise, and you don't predict your numbers to drop that much. You predict them to stay steady or go mm-hmm. up. So as a box office breakdown expert. Mm-hmm. Who has a show on Popcorn Talk mm-hmm. called Box Office Breakdown? This is a disappointment. <laughs> this is probably labeled give, as give, a flop. Give yeah. us the numbers. Give us the numbers. I have them. You, you have you have my notes, and I have no. I have your notes. You have the printed notes. <laughs> I didn't steal we've your been, notes. We've These been, are my. We've been trying to get online notes. for the last yeah. three right. minutes. Here. All right, so it was projected to make around twenty-eight to thirty million in its mm-hmm. opening weekend from uh, three point seven. Uh, or 3,700 theaters, mm-hmm. um, and it w- that would have still marked its <laughs> lowest opening in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they're predicting low. It was low. And yes. Like, no expected. good. No good news yes. here. No, and it so opening day it fell by 43.6 percent from what Insurgent made. Um, mm-hmm. In comparison to Hunger Games Part One. Uh, the sequel only fell twenty one percent to Catching Fire, yeah. so <laughs> and it's that's got like about eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is very rotten. Here's the thing: in, in general, like there's there's a lot of interesting articles. Um, I you know I don't want us necessarily getting too much into it because it's too insider, but uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, articles being written about Lionsgate in particular, right? With yeah. the decline Period. of Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. It ended on a down note. Gods of Egypt just came out. That was a bad one mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, revenue. This is now the second miss in this calendar year. And uh, and, and stock is dropping, unfortunately, for <laughs> Lionsgate. Now, again, the interesting part is, if feel free to dive into it. They have a lot of TV stuff that they're doing. Yeah. But people are saying that their core business is movies. It's not even movies. just aimed at Lionsgate. It's aimed at this <clears throat> genre in general. But here's I, that, okay. So let's talk about that because you have so, how many superhero movies do you friggin' have? Genre. But again, a genre nonetheless. And yeah. so how does that one keep surviving? Where it's like, oh, the the, the young adult uh, genre is dying. Like, come on, that's um, that, that, that's a cop out. I, I mean, I think that I don't know if I can exactly pinpoint why it's dying. Yeah, I don't think anyone can. Also, be fixing it. It's just that these numbers aren't bringing in. You had like the fifth wave of Morant, just no one saw. They're t- taking from books. I mean, TV's on the rise. You have streaming on the rise. You have all these different kind of players in the game that are bringing interest, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or who people creating original content. Movies are also shifting from you've got super big budget to super low budget. The middle ground isn't <coughs> typically doing as well, except for Deadpool, which you know only costs 60 and made to g- g- And so animation. Much. Animation is not doing as well either. Uh, it, it the Temple ones, Utopia. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah, Zootopia. Inside yeah. Out. Yeah. So it, what is the difference? I don't know. We're also having a ton of debate about diversity and women leads and a lot of one of the greatest appeals supposedly for the young adults movies was at first kind of pushing more female leads that's what you had from like twilight and when they were doing like magical creatures and all these like a lot of magical creatures i did not see that one like there's all these ones there's like there's just so many and it's bringing up like new talent 
but I don't know how you save it. I don't know if you bring in what like I think the you make a of... good movie for the people. Here's the thing: I I enjoyed it, but at the same time, the fact that we're talking about that is so vastly different from the source material. Mm-hmm. Stick to what people like. That's what those people fell in love with. Love with yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And that's what, like, if you compare Marvel, they stick to their core audience. They make it. They make a good movie for their audience, and then let it expand that's from true. there. Yeah, because I, I would say if I was watching this and I was listening to what you were saying, what you guys were saying, and the knowledge from you all, it will probably make me want to go and like, oh, I want to watch this whole entire thing. Yeah. But just going myself and just going to go see the movie myself, and then now sitting here, I'm like, I wish I would have saved my money. I mean, <laughs> I think that. I was trying to think of how they could have fixed this. Like, how they, because a lot of what I've said about this movie has been negative. And I was like, well, how could I, how, what could they have done to fix it? And I actually don't think it would have been that difficult. I think more guidelines just needed to be in place. I guess that's more exposition, you know, just showing what these societies could do. I think you needed more. Um, disguising of motivations. I think that the characters needed to play towards, for instance, David's character. If his goal is to get Triss on his side, the best way to get Triss on, to get someone on your side is to not only befriend them, but befriend the people around them. Like, that's common, kind of common sense. If you want a new friend, like, don't just isolate them off and be like, you're my only friend. Like, you try and enter their worlds. Like, I think there could have been more there. It, it didn't need to be, like, completely reworked from the ground up for me. There just needed to be some shifts. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, I think it is a trope that happens too oftentimes that, you know, if I, if I was trying to get Cortez on my side, and let's say you guys were friends, but I treated Sarah like shit. Like, it's just, like, why, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Treat both people, in. like, equally. Equal. Yeah. yeah, and, like, that's more interesting. For yeah. a movie, like that's more disguising of like, well, is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? It's the same for um, Evelyn's character. If you're going to tell her that she wants to be the the best mom, <laughs> then have it put for in some type of danger or some type of where he might need her to use the memory and gas I kept, on I people. I kept pondering that. I was like, just like, he doesn't like her. It seems like yeah, it. he doesn't like her, and he's doing fine. Mm. Like, why? Are, what world are you saving yeah. him from? Yeah. Like, yeah. he wants out. Like, I it, there just wasn't enough connect. Like, so, what's your character? What do they want? And how do normal people get those things? And then, <laughs> do you think there's <coughs> there's too many characters? Uh, what because they, they, they they've been cut down. Unnecessary, still unnecessary characters. Like, I still don't know what the character of Christina is. It Christina. Yeah, like, I believe so. Played She's by Yeah, yeah. Uh, her, I didn't understand why she was still steady there and saying little small lines like, "You should be." They, they, when they he's did, like, "I'm scared." She, needed, she was like, "I should be. You they, should be." They needed to take some cues from like Game of Thrones and like kill off some people. Yeah, and they just don't. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, well, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the consensus reads: Legion improves on previous entries of the Divergent series on a few superficial levels, but aren't but they aren't good enough to counteract a sense of growing boredom with a franchise that's gone on too long. But, but interestingly enough, Cinema Score gives it a B, which isn't that terrible. Yeah, that's much better than I thought you were going to say. Yeah, what do you think I was going to say? C plus. But uh, in, yeah, C. C plus. Yeah. I thought you were going to say C. But, um, you know, I mean, it's the same score that Batman v Superman has, and yet Batman v Superman is going through the roof. 
Interestingly enough, there they have a certain, similar... There are certain movies that are critic-proof. It's a known fact. Well, really? cinema score is an For audience. opening weekend. You have to give it at least five days, though, right? I might have said I'm thinking Rotten Tomatoes, and it doesn't matter what, what? you... Rotten Tomatoes. Interestingly enough, Batman v Superman share similar uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. It's 29%. That's what I'm looking at right now. Oh, well, that is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's talk about the sequel, right? Um Sarah, do you want to talk about how the the budget got slashed for the fourth one due to this? The, the budget for this one was 110 million. Uh-huh. Um, and with what it's bringing in, they ain't getting that money <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you won't be getting that budget this time. You have all the number numbers. Um, I don't actually. I, I don't. Here's the thing. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of talk about that they're cutting the budget. I don't know mm-hmm. what they're cutting it to. Mm-hmm. And in some way, it's going to force them to be creative. Mm-hmm. But in other ways, this is supposed to be the grand. This is it. Yeah. yeah. So how are you going to bring you it all? You need a budget. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's also hard because they've have created. They're so reliant on the visuals and this and the special effects and your stunt work. All oh, that's very expensive. And if they're going to be making, is it a final battle? Is it the next city? All of that is huge things. But they are going to have to get more creative. And with but. It doesn't fit where you this... can go the South Park route where you have someone overlooking, let's say, on the wall and mm-hmm. facing whatever side they want and be like, Wow, that's a big battle. <laughs> and that's like it. a narrator just oh wow. <laughs> that's so we'll see. Okay. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I would be but... curious to know what the budget actually is. Like if, if it goes yeah. from hundred and ten to a hundred million, then okay, not so bad. If it goes from hundred and ten to sixty yeah. I think it's gonna go to like seventy five. Yeah, um, it's gonna be like Deadpool did it for sixty, like make a movie. Yeah, what but Deadpool th- also commented. What do you think they should put the money into? Um, Stunts, graphics. I think I think they need one huge set piece at the end. Yeah, I I think you cut traveling between <laughs> all these areas. Okay, you pick one that you're really centrally at. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and you... that means no Providence. That's what's getting cut. I'm telling you, like, it could be. I think you have to pick one place kind of to be. This is going to be the most help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then... But interesting, I mean, part of it... Trap a lot of people and, like, do the whole champion route. You Like, one person from each side to determine the outcome. Yeah, one-on-one fight. I know, right? Everyone picks a representative. Uh Exactly. Um, I mean, uh, so... Now, historically, these movies have always been kind of in the springtime area. They're moving this one back to June 9th, 2017, mm-hmm. um, despite Paramount uh, World War Z 2 coming out the same and Universal with the reboot of The Mummy. So oh. that in general, I feel like, I mean, it doesn't set them up for the best I mean, weekend. it's not the best, but it's counter-programming. And for, it's better. Really? The Mummy and World War Z 2. World War Z 2, I think. This is much yeah. more female-oriented. Yeah. Alright. In my um, opinion. If you say so. I mean, uh, it's the other move you have so It's not Batman com- v Superman versus my big fat Greek wedding too. Like that's <laughs> counter programming. True. Um and then I, I feel like Lionsgate now I don't know, they they might be putting their efforts into uh, Power Rangers, which is taking that, you know, um sort of slot. I was trying to find that. It's, mm-hmm. it's funny you mentioned it. The Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Yeah. So I don't have internet, so I can't tell you. Um, and then Lee, a toddler. Uh, Are you excited Krieger. for Power Rangers? 
I've never been a Power Rangers guy. Not even okay. when I was a kid. Okay, okay. I just I know the song because it was like, I mean, go, they go, made it Power everywhere. It, no. They really had a good franchise on that, but. Um, yeah. mm. So in all, all we'll see. you'll see Sarah so, and Cortez so back for Power Rangers. I was just Rangers checking. I was like, that. so you guys are jumping off the Lions Gate wagon? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, here's okay. So I think it, it it'll come down to this, and I never really like to kind of read the news until after I see the movie, movie. but I'm sure there's going to be a lot. So right now I'm going to get into spoiler talk. Spoilers. If you've read the book, Spoilers. feel free to uh, feel free to partake. Um, but again, if you don't want to know anything whatsoever about the fourth movie, sign uh, off. Sign off now. Bye, thank you. Uh, follow Sarah at at Sarah underscore Stratton. Cortez. All social media handles at Cortez G West. That's right, and follow Movie Anatomy and then the Popcorn Talk. So, but again, Thanks if you for- want spoilers, stick around for the next couple minutes. Thanks Spoil for chitting away. with us. Um, so the tagline for the fourth one is the end is never what you expected. Now, See, I told you they're just going to be like mind blown. This mm-hmm. is a lie. <laughs> well, in the uh, in the books, Trish dies, and Veronica Roth has always stuck to her notion that that needed to happen, that it was justified. But fans are literally having a change uh, what change dot org petition to change the ending for the movie. They're not killing her in the movie. They're not. I don't think so. As I no. told, Trish. I, yeah, is that confirmed that they're not? Well, it's very cryptic. But here's what Veronica writes. Uh, well, what does that mean? Well, basically, it means there are going to be some changes. It's, but it's really too early to know exactly what those changes will be or to the extent of them. I know changes always make fans of the books uh, nervous, but hopefully, the characters we know and love, or sometimes love to hate, will still be intact, which is really the important thing. I am eager to see how these movies turn out along with you guys. I compl- based on only the first book I read, I completely understand why Trish could have ended up dying. Because mm-hmm. it was so like there was like it was dark and there was like peop like people died in that book and you had people like being beat up. With the movies where it's been so bright and shiny, I I don't see oh. how they can kill Triss. I mean I don't see how they can like, kill Triss either, but I because to me in my head she's the only one that's pure for one. So if anyone had to die it would be four. But well, that's could, why she's pure. But, but she's like the like Jesus the, type. But it could be like that's not something to aim for. Everyone it, like damage is not in a category. <clears throat> I'm not the pinnacle. Like everyone is equal. Yeah. Ah, I got you. Yeah, and, and and again, this is why I asked you specifically about Caleb and how you guys felt because um, you know Caleb initially sacrifices himself to go off and do this and, and whatever save the world type of thing, but Trish um, in a moment of whatever realizes that um, he's only doing it because he's not doing it out of pure love. He's only doing it to, you know, atone for everything. And so she's the one that ends up, whatever, saving the world. I mean, I just, as I said, though, with the books, would not be, like, can definitely see how you could end up with your lead character dying. With these movies and how pretty they are and how kind of not gory I just don't see them killing I, I just her. hate I, I do hate when when um, when movies because there are a lot of movies and books kill off their main character because I think just the ball went out of bounds mm-hmm. and it's just okay it's a it's a Jesus type metaphor like it let's let's pump the brakes and get, let's get a little creative doesn't bother me Game yeah. of Thrones favorite show 
All right. Well, we'll sacrifice you, Sarah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, final thoughts as we wrap this uh, this Allegiant up. I, like I said, you guys, I know you guys are going to come in like, why is he there? Like, for me, I'm here for the goals. I know I'm not the only one that has not watched the whole series, but... I hope I asked some questions that maybe you all were thinking that I was thinking as well. <laughs> if I had to say, if you haven't watched it and you don't follow the series, and I would, and I, you asked me if I should go see it, I would say no. <laughs> yeah, I would say if you want to stick with this series and see it through to the end, this isn't Definitely probably going to yeah. be your favorite of your four of the four that end up coming out. I could see it being in your bottom two. Um, Maybe your bottom one, but it doesn't destroy the groundwork in the done. It just suffers a little bit from what I've decided to call Tomorrowland Syndrome. If you saw that movie, you probably know what I mean. Uh, where there's talent behind it, there's effort. It's just the pieces didn't come together. No. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, again, I, th- I think it's just, it, it, it's interesting to me. It's always been, I, I just, for whatever reason, Hunger Games, I found very boring. This, at least, is different, and so I'm giving it a higher grade than perhaps I should be but nonetheless um there you have it uh i think at the very least you know what when it comes out all on blu-ray you know what sit down watch it with a friend or something (laughs) i i I, you know it might be worth it um if nothing else you know what i really um i think shailene woodley is is fantastic i think Mm -hmm. theo james miles teller has been a favorite of mine since project x and then Mm -hmm. 21 jump uh 21 and over um, so on and so forth. So I really like him. Uh, and yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for joining us on another Anatomy of a Movie here on Popcorn Talk. Uh, you can check out all of our past shows. Uh, there's over 250 of them at this point. <laughs> um, so definitely worth going in. Uh, a couple of them uh, Cortez has guested on, so check those out. Uh, uh, what was the agent one we did? Agent 47. Agent 48. Agent something. <laughs> Agent something. Agent 52. Um, ah. You can see how memorable that movie must have been. <laughs> um, and of course, follow Sarah. Uh, you know, she does box office breakdown here on mm-hmm. Popcorn Talk, so definitely worth checking that out yes. as well. Thank you. Um, and we'll be doing Batman v Superman this coming Friday, along with my big fat Greek wedding, too. And we've got so many movies coming down the pipeline. Uh, you've got uh, Captain America, Civil War. You've got the X-Men. You've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, what else is big in the summer? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the second one, is coming out. So, so much. So much, so much. Um, so check it out. Sarah, once again, where can the people follow you? At Sarah underscore Stratton. And Cortez. At Cortez G West. And uh, thank you guys for joining us. Check out all the other good stuff. And uh, if you've seen Batman v Superman, feel free to check out DC Movie News. Uh, with Sarah's best friend, Roxy Stryer. They kind of break it down. Our dissection on Friday, I'm sure, will be vastly different, but nonetheless, um, if you like Nietzsche, we'll talk Nietzsche if you want. There you go. (laughs) That's enticing. (laughs) See you guys next time. Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff. We would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.